What's up, everybody? Uh, this is the Five at Five with Dr. Rogers. It is Tuesday around 5.45. We are trying and trying and trying to get in this five o'clock hour. It's been super busy in all of the offices. Uh, Dr. Rogers, how is it going today? How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Ben? I am wonderful. And, uh, you know, for the listeners out there, uh, Dr. Rogers is the Common Sense MD, and, and we are so excited about our new podcast that's out titled The Common Sense MD, and uh, we actually had a question about that in, uh, in our emails today that we're going we're gonna to get to, and, and for the people who have you know, seen our video, the first episode on, on Common Sense MD about you know, kind of a COVID, uh, the COVID situation, everything that we're learning, we really hope that you'll check that out. It was super informative uh, just in, in terms of what we as an office, you know, Dr. Rogers as a medical doctor, you know, what everybody's learned uh, through treating over 500 cases of this. Um, so before we get into it, I just want to, for the people watching, we are taking live questions today. So um, if you have a question for Dr. Rogers, um, put it in the comment section. Uh, I'll be combing through those throughout this episode, and I will add them as we go. Uh, Dr. Rogers, you ready to get rolling? Ready. All right, let's rock. Here we go. First question is right here. Okay, welcome to the Tuesday night live at five. Question number one. I've been doing a deep dive recently into biohacking and life extension and wondered if you have a favorite supplement brand for quercetin and resveratrol. Um, that's a good question. Of course, I take both those. Um, my, the, our vitamin C, life extension, has their vitamin C has quercetin in it. However, for right now, when I think you need a little bit more quercetin, I'm actually taking an extra um, 500 milligrams of quercetin um, with bromelain. Um, it makes it more effective. And it's, I think the brand I'm taking is the Now brand. Other brands I think are good of that particular one are the Gero. You know, I love the Gero um, brand of omega-3s also. And I think Pure Encapsulations makes a pretty good quercetin. As far as resveratrol, I'll take Life Extension resveratrol. And I think uh, there's a couple other. I think um, the Now, Now brand, I like them a lot too. Um, that would be my second choice, I think, on that. Um, so good questions. There's a lot of good vitamin makers out there. Um, I tend to, most of my vitamins are are life extension because they're they've been around for 40 years or so they do the research they invented coq10 um they put out a good magazine they're all they're a five-star vitamin company at a reasonable price they're wholesale um they also all their vitamins are dated um and they're double checked by two other outside companies and they're verified so i treat Life extension pretty well. I like them a lot. Been using them for years. But the Now and the Gero and Pure Encapsulations are good. Um, so those are all good. Standard Process is a pretty good one too, although a little more expensive. Um, so good question. All right. Number two. What do you mean when you say we need more common sense in medicine? That's a great question. When I decided to kind of relabel 
myself as the common sense MD. It's really because I see our whole medical system's getting away from using common sense. And I think the COVID crisis has even really exacerbated that problem. I mean, to me, you don't need a double-blinded placebo-controlled trial to prove that um, vitamin C works. You can use observation and your common sense. Um, and you can use your common sense that a little higher dose is not going to be toxic to you. Um, I think just think we need more common sense in medicine, experience and observation. You don't need, um, you know, a, the academics telling you what to do, how to practice medicine, because it's you sitting there talking to the patient. You get a lot of clues and nonverbal things that you can pick up on if you have enough experience and common sense as to what's bothering this patient. You know, a lot of times when you know the whole context, the whole social situation, and, you know, you can come up with a uh, almost a gut feeling sometimes. I mean, you don't have to run a million tests on people to figure something out. You know, always start with the simple and work down towards the um, more complex um, and try to find the root cause of the problem. Um, don't invent a disease to try to make a medicine for it. So, um, I mean, common sense in anything is, is valuable, I think. So um, that's kind of best. That's the most common sense answer I have for that. But great question. Um, number three, both my father, age 75, and myself, age 45, are considered high risk for contacting COVID due to current health issues. Um, should we consider adding ivermectin to our immune-boosting regimen? Well, I'm taking ivermectin right now, 15 milligram once a week. My whole office staff is taking that, the ones that didn't get COVID a couple months ago. Um, so, you know, ivermectin's a, a medicine we use for parasites. Um, very safe. I haven't seen a side effect to it yet. Um, so, yeah, you can certainly consider adding that to your regimen. Some people take a little prophylactic hydroxychloroquine, which is safe, too. Sometimes we do that. But, of course, the, the, the zinc, the higher C, and the higher doses of vitamin D3, D with K, um, are the go -to, and quercetin um, are the go-to. So, uh, yeah, it's not unreasonable at all to be taking some ivermectin until this crisis has kind of died down either, either you get the vaccine or this herd immunity's developed gosh we're treating so much COVID over the phone I think I had 15 cases I treated after lunch today um, and I certainly use a lot of ivermectin for treatment um, and there's also available now I found out today uh, how to get people in for monoclonal antibody treatments uh, here in uh, the Upper East Tennessee area, there's two places that are doing it through Ballad. One's in Irwin, Unicoi County Hospital, and the other one's Holston Valley. You have to qualify for it. So I spoke to the doctor in charge today on that. And, um, you know, you need to catch it kind of early within the first 10 days. There are certain criteria that they have to follow, CDC guidelines, because it's not an FDA-approved medicine for this, but it is okayed 
by the FDA and CDC for experimental use, but um, it's very safe. It's a treatment that if I was getting worse, I would certainly want to have myself. The thing about it is it's an infusion, so it takes an hour to infuse it, and you can't go to your doctor to infuse it because you have COVID. You don't want COVID patients coming into your office, so you have to have a separate infusion center that just does this. So we've got the two places now um, that are willing to treat it, uh, anybody over 65 can get it. Um, you, if you're a diabetic, you can get it. If you have a BMI of over 35, you can get it, no matter how old you are. Again, that, that's categorized as severe obesity. Um, certain other conditions require that you, um, like asthma, I think you have to be over 55 for it. Um, um, so there are certain exclusion criteria, but, um, so if you have a, if you do have COVID, of course, call us and we'll go over your case and see if, if you need the, the monoclonal antibody treatments available now, um, that all like Trump got it. I'm sure governor Christie and Rudy Giuliani, they all had it and they all turned around really quickly. I spoke to the doctor that's giving the infusions today They've had very good results from it, um, and the, I think they've had two. They've had to uh, subsequently put in the hospital, but they did well probably because they had early treatment. But um, So that's another option that we can do now. We wouldn't do it on mild cases, but for people at high risk, and you know, especially if your PO2 is hovering around 90, 92, um, you know, I'll refer you on for that monoclonal antibody infusion test. Um, so that's something that's uh, available now. Excited about that. So, um, yeah, next question, please. How do I know a regular cough from a COVID cough? When should I be concerned? That's a good question. Um, you know, if you have a chronic cough, a chronic cough, I think the last patient I saw today has had a cough for a year negative chest x-ray, um, but some reflux symptoms. So if they, if you don't have a, a chronic sinus drainage, a cough from that, or um, GERD, reflux can sure cause a chronic cough. So can taking an ACE inhibitor like lisinopril, probably the most common blood pressure medicine out there. That can cause a chronic dry cough. But with COVID, you know, usually there's going to be a fever, um, the cough is going to be more persistent, um, and usually you're going to have body aches, headache, um, maybe sinus symptoms. Um, you're going to feel like you have a mild case of the flu. You may have shortness of breath. You may not. You may lose sense of taste or smell, um, but you're probably going to have a headache, feel real tired, and achy. It'll be more than just a dry cough. Um, so watch your temperature as well. So it's usually pretty easy to distinguish. If you just have a little hacky cough you've had for a while, that's probably not COVID. But if you get sick and have a sinus infection and running fever, you better rule out COVID. So go in for a quick test and uh, get early treatment for this. Call her office. Um, so next question, right. Ben. 
All right, I'm going to jump in here before we get to question five. You know, we're, I'm watching the comments now. Uh, so everybody who is, is watching live, you know, if you want a question, be sure to put that in the comment section. We're going to get to that uh, here in a second. And I'm just super kind of pumped about this next question because I want to know the answer to this. Um, here you go. Why is your face so red? <laughs> you see my face? Let me turn it. My face looks bad today, doesn't it? <laughs> I've fooled a lot of people with this today. I've asked them what's the matter with me. And uh, <laughs> I'm glad you asked that because here I am. I'm 65, almost 66 years old. I've had a lot of sun damage on my face through the years. Us baby boomers used to love to lay in the sun. We'd do anything to get a great tan. And so every year on January 1st, when Christmas and everything's over, when you're, all the parties are gone and you don't care about seeing people, right, right now it's great because I'm in a mask too all day. So I treat my face with 5-FU to get rid of the actinic keratosis, which is caused by sun damage that can turn into skin cancer. I mean, I've already had three skin cancers taken off of me by my brother, um, squamous cells. So... Um, Every year I burn my face with 5-FU. And this year I went on a, a little shortened. Uh, I used to have to do it for f like two weeks, maybe longer. Um, so this year it's a lot milder. I just did a combination of 5-FU with uh, calcitrine. Calcitrine is a synthetic uh, vitamin D analog. So I took a shortened course of that uh, compounded mixture um, and for four you, days, you twice a day, put it on your face, all over your face. And I, I did a little bit on my neck too, because it only goes to the, it li it'll light you up if you have actinic keratosis, the regular skin, it won't do like up in here. I think I did it pretty well last year. This year I've focused more on the lower face and the vitamin D analog is pretty interesting. So it kind of makes the five FU work a little better. And it's a little more tolerable because you can do a real shortened course of it. I'm just, I just did it for four days. I finished it. So by this time next week, my skin will probably look like a baby skin. Hopefully. We'll see. Next Tuesday, you'll see what I look like. But I'm hoping it's all, all, it's all gone next week. But think about if you have a lot of sun damage and you want to smooth your face out and prevent progression to skin cancer later on, this is a great time to do it because you can't go in the sun with this. And now in the winter is a perfect time to do this. I do, I've been doing it once a year for, uh, I guess, about four years now. So it's really worked out well for me. Um, five, five FU? Yeah, with Calcidrex. With Calcidrex. Calcidrex. All right. Well, I hope that has several that names. Answers. It's vitamin D. But, yeah. Uh, so if you, if you want us to look at your skin, we do a lot of stuff with skin. So come into the office and let us evaluate if you need this treatment or not. Is that a prescription out of curiosity? Yeah, it's a prescription. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. All right, we're getting a ton of questions flowing in. Uh, so thank you for that, guys. We're going to be uh, doing this for the next couple of minutes. So if you're with us, um, go ahead and put your uh, comment in the, uh, the comment section or your question in the comment section. Uh, let's put up Josh here real quick. Has a COVID question. Okay. Thank you for all your help with the COVID virus. I'm getting better, but still feel kind of weak after 15 days. When will I get back to normal? Man, it, it just depends on how healthy you were before. Um, the one thing that 
the all-telling symptom of this, especially after you're over the acute phase, is extreme fatigue. I see that on most of my patients. Um, and it, it's usually taken about a month for your average person to feel back to normal. You'll start to get your sense of uh, taste and smell back, usually after about 14 days or so. Um, but and some people have a little permanent damage to that olfactory nerve I've read about. That's rare. Usually you get it back. But I would say give it a month and take it easy in the meantime. But start moving and getting around. Um, some people that have the infrared saunas get better quicker. They seem to detox better from this. But So no worries. It'll be maybe a couple more weeks, you know, Josh, before you feel a lot better. Um, so hopefully. All right. Thank you, Josh, for that. Um, we're going to go to Brenda here on Facebook. Do you do blood work to see if you've had COVID? Yes. Uh, we do the COVID antibody test every day covered by insurance. And I think there's some kind of care act or something where they have to pay for it. So I haven't had anybody that's had to pay for a COVID antibody test yet. Um, but I'd wait, wait a month after you had symptoms and you're cleared up, wait about a month to see if your antibodies turn positive. Most people who had it turn positive. I've had a couple that had a really mild case that it didn't pick up the antibodies, you know, and uh, the antigen test is not as specific or sensitive as the antibody test. So if you have antibodies, you pretty well had it. Um, and that may guide your decision on whether or not you take the vaccine or not. Um, so if you've had the disease and, you know, you don't need to take the vaccine for a, a few months. Um, and maybe never. See how these vaccines turn out. See how all the, all the other ones that come out um, do before you get one if you've had COVID already. I sure wouldn't be in any hurry to get it um, if I'd had COVID. I keep checking my antibodies to see if I've turned positive. Hope so since two, two of my kids had it. And uh, they, I haven't had it so far, so. Okay. All right, I'm going to go to Jessica's question. It's a, it seems to be a, a two-part question, and it has to do with uh, COVID and hair. So I'm going to uh, show you a couple of these. Okay, Doc? Okay. Um, so this is the first one. It says, the first question is, can COVID affect labs? Um, you you want to go ahead and answer that, and then we'll get into the ferritin. Yeah, I wouldn't check any of the, like the Cleveland Heart Panel or thing. I wouldn't check it when I had COVID because it can affect uh, – iron levels and a bunch of stuff your cbc and all that so i just wouldn't get that when you have covid it could inflate the ferritin levels um of course hair loss um you know and also don't take biotin up high doses of biotin before you get your labs done um so and ferritin levels are pretty interesting you know i'm gonna try to do another podcast just on ferritin um, that kind of goes into her next question. I'm going to show you this. Um, it's about iron and, and, and ferritin, which I think is, is interesting. And it's basically saying, you know, due to the hair loss with COVID, is that, is that what you're getting from that doc? Yep. Yep. Interesting. What can you do for the hair loss? Yeah. You can get some hair loss with any illness. You can get hair loss with any diet. Um, a lot of vitamin deficiencies, but, you know, the hair grows in cycles, and it's usually, you know, kind of two-month cycles. So it's usually 
way after you're sick that you'll start losing them. But there's so many factors for hair loss. Thyroid, adrenals, iron, ferritin, stress, cortisol. Um, it's so complex uh, that you have to almost look at everything. But um, I can almost assure Jessica that she's going to start growing her hair back. And I'll, I'll just go ahead and ask, because uh, just to make sure that Jessica gets an answer here, can COVID affect lab levels for ferritin and iron? Did yeah, you answer yeah, that already? Yeah, they okay. can. So don't get, okay. don't check those levels when you have COVID. Wait okay. at least a month before you do any comprehensive labs looking at things like that. Cool. It can't can throw uh, them off. They're useless. All right, we'll go to Candy here. Thank you, Candy. Do you feel iodine feeds the thyroid and Hashimoto's disease? You know, you can certainly get iron over or iodine overload. Uh, you know, I saw one of these this year. They they were put on a massive dose of uh, iodine, and it caused huge swelling of their thyroid. It caused a huge nodule. I mean, it was easy to see just by, with the naked eye. You didn't have to feel it. Um, fortunately, it, it wasn't a cancer, but... It was too much iodine. Usually, most people are a little iodine deficient, um, and certainly that's usually the case with Hashimoto's. Um, but you can sure overdo the iodine. So I usually don't put anybody on iodine unless I have a 24-hour iodine or a, even a, a spot urine iodine check. But it's a great question. So check levels. Yeah, it can be good and bad for it. I'll have to, what I'll have to do is I'll, I'll look at, we've done a, um, a doctor's note, I believe on iodine, uh, as recently as a couple months ago that you know, I feel like we, we dove into that a little deeper. So I'll try to scrounge okay. that up and see if I can't link that up. Okay. Uh, Savannah, uh, hello, Savannah. It's good to see you again. Uh, we have a couple questions on vitamin A and she has a follow-up, um, that we'll get to what her protocol is. Several years before seeing you, um, his two-day protocol was vitamin A and D for two days. I'm not sure who, who you're talking about there. Also, zinc and vitamin C. Uh, yeah, a lot of people think that uh, vitamin A works in concert with vitamin D. Um, when I did catch flu one year, we did this, and it was amazingly uh, better. Yeah, I mean, really, vitamin A, which you usually can get through a multivitamin, uh, everybody thinks about it just as an vitamin for your eyes but it's also very antiviral so i'm all for adding a little vitamin a in there that's a that's a great point i probably don't stress vitamin a enough to be honest with you and yeah I, I i haven't heard you talk much about vitamin a yeah um, vitamin a is very beneficial for viral illnesses and some people will include it on their on their protocol like anytime you get a cold i immediately tell people to get on high dose of d C and, and always take zinc anyway, but vitamin A, I, I should put that in there. Huh. This is, uh, she put this just for everybody can see. Uh, she takes the get well two day protocol, vitamin A. So kind of similar to this, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. we've, we've talked a lot about the 50,000 IUs of D, yeah. uh, but adding vitamin A to that's a, right. a good idea. Great point, but, Savannah. That's a, that's an excellent point that I probably haven't stressed enough. See, I learn as much from my patients as they do from me. Uh, Savannah, that's why I try to listen to them, you know. Uh, all right, we got one more here. Let's see. 
Uh, we got a question about uh, digestion and COVID. Does does COVID affect digestion? Yeah. Have you seen yeah. any of that? COVID gets in your gut for sure. That's why a lot of people, their first symptom will be diarrhea. I've seen that multiple times. And then they get sick with a sore throat, cough, fever, chills, etc. Um, but yeah, COVID, which is spread by respiratory droplets, gets in your gut. It's a gut infection as well. They find it in the stool of people when they culture it out. So for sure, it can cause some gut problems. That's why I take people off PPIs like Nexium, Prilosec, etc., and put them on Pepsid. For some reason, you cut too much of the acid out of the stomach, like the PPIs do. Um, it can really cause you cause you to have a gut infection like C. diff. Um, but with Pepsid Fomotidine, which is a lot milder, it seems to benefit uh, the bacterial flora. Of course, I always assume you're taking a probiotic. Every human should take a probiotic. But, um, yeah, I've seen a lot of gut problems with this. So, you know, make sure you're taking your probiotic and make sure your diet's really good and you avoid a lot of sugary foods. Of course, inflammatory gut things like glutens and dairy, you should cut them out. It's just almost a good wake-up call to start eating the, the way you should be eating anyway. But And then, of course, when you get on antibiotics, when we treat the COVID and maybe steroids, of course, you definitely need a probiotic with those two items. So just get on, get on a good daily probiotic anyway so your gut will be ready for something like this, like a viral attack. But for sure it gets in your gut. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to this one, and then I'll, I'll, I'll get to a few more. Uh, Carolyn, because it's a great follow-up question, you know, what probiotic do you recommend? Um, and, and actually, I, I want to follow up with, with Carolyn on this one because I've had a few questions through, uh, through our, our website about, you know, we're having trouble getting, you know, gluten shield. You know, what would be a good replacement for that uh, with the, the gluten blocker? Um, um, so that you can kind of build on that. Yeah, I love Gluten Shield. It's it's kind of hard to get right now because of the supply chain broke down on with COVID, but it should be back in another week or two. That's my favorite because it has a prebiotic, probiotic, digestive enzymes, lactase, and a gluten blocker. So I like all in one. That's the one I, I love to take. I've seen it straighten out so many cases of IBS, spastic colon, you wouldn't believe it. Um, because it's really hard to avoid some of those things in your diet. They use it as fillers and everything. So, um, but if you can't get that, um, I like Theralac a lot. That's probably my, my favorite one besides Gluten Shield. And there's a host of them. The thing I'd just be wary about is getting your CFUs too high. You know, I tried that once and it got immediately stomach upset. I jumped up from like, 25 billion to 60 and it really upset my stomach so go slow on that and see what you tolerate but i don't think just eating yogurt is going to substitute a good probiotic unfortunately and that um so sue here has a has a question about emergency i think this is a great question because i know uh, a lot of people are getting their c um through emergency uh the mixed drink and then you know, Savannah here had a little follow-up because she's interested in the emergency as well. Um, I know emergency tastes really good, so I don't know. I don't know if that's a, a, a negative or not. I know. <laughs> you know, that's the thing about it. It has fructose in it. That's why it tastes so good. So I've just take, I just take the C tablet. 
you know, and the, the life extension, the C has a quercetin in it. So that's my preference, really. Do you recommend it if, you know, say somebody doesn't want to, you know, swallow the pill, um, if they're wanting a, a liquid form, is emergency good enough, or do you think the fructose is... I just don't... Anything that tastes sweet, you probably want to avoid, because um, yeah. it'll have sugar or fructose in it. Fructose is worse than glucose, I think, but... Um, they have a buffered sea powder. I think Life Extension has a good one there that you can just mix in your water and drink it down. That, that'd be my preference. Um, yeah, I think you know, Savannah just said that, I think, was the, the buffered uh, powered sea. Yeah, that's um, I like that. Powdered, so Sue, powdered yeah. Uh-huh. Look into that. That's a, that's a good one. Um, all right. It looks like uh, we need to, to get rolling here. Um, okay. Dr. Rogers, thank you for the, for the time today. Thanks, um, to everybody who is, who is watching, thank you for, for hanging out with us. We do this every Tuesday around uh, 545. We're starting to not only do the five questions we take throughout the week, um, but we want to, you know, do as many live, um, questions, kind of a Q and a session as, as possible. So thank you to everybody who participated uh, tonight. We're going to do this again next week. Uh, and I encourage everybody, if you, if you do want a in-depth overview of, um, kind of what we're up to with COVID-19, uh, there's videos on our YouTube channel, um, as well as our Facebook page. Uh, and if you haven't signed up for performance weekly, uh, that has all of our videos and all of our content that comes out every Monday, you can sign up, uh, for that on our website, performancemedicine.net. Uh, doc, thank you. Thanks, man. All right, guys. See y'all later. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, Please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, We will see you guys next time.